All right, what's going on, everyone? A good Tuesday morning to you. This is the Tonecast. We are Porter Pickups. Uh, I'm Brian Porter. I'm here with Mike Bassett. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. Good morning. How are you? Do you prefer Mike or Michael? Um, You know, with as much family as I have, uh, Michael is fine. So usually I respond to it. It might take a couple tries because I am (laughs) used to Mike a little bit. Okay. Well, I just want to make sure that we, we call you what you want to be called. Yeah, you know, everyone calls me Mike. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Well, Mike's joining us today. We're really excited to have him on the show. Um, I will kind of give him a proper intro here in a minute, but uh, I just want to remind you that um, we have a Tone Tips email that comes out every Tuesday, and that's something you can sign up for on our email list at porterpickups.com. That actually, um, you get some sort of like tone-related, guitar-related video to your inbox every Tuesday. And this is kind of a free resource that we're giving you. Uh, no obligations with it. You just have to sign up for our newsletter so we can give this to you every week. And, and it's been a little challenging to, to make sure that we're pushing new content out. But we're also going to be sharing some sounds of our pickups. We're going to be showing you uh, little tips and tricks about working on guitars, about setting pickup heights, and all sorts of crazy stuff. So Mike will probably be in some of those future videos as well. So be watching for those. If you haven't signed up for that, please go do that. Um, again, we're trying not to spam you, but we're going to provide you a lot of really helpful information. And and with that also in the, the helpful mindset is our pickup chooser. Make sure if you go to porterpickups.com backslash pickup chooser, that's all one word. You'll also see on the homepage quite a bit of language directed to the pickup chooser. And that that is just our way to help you find the right set uh, for your guitar. So we've been getting quite a few of those every single month. And that's really been great for us to um, to get to know your gear and your sound. You can send a picture of your guitar. So maybe you're looking for a matching set of pickups that you think would look right with the vibe of your instrument. We'll help you with that too. Um, it's definitely a free, no obligation type of thing. And one of us on our team will, will personally contact you back with a recommendation. Um, so that's been a big hit. And that's been really helpful for us to basically narrow it down a little bit and and it's fun to see those come through and then help the customer. And then actually, you know, the next day or a couple of days later, we're building the pickups for them and, and, and all that. So that's, that's definitely exciting. Um, we've got a lot of interviews coming up too. We've, we've, uh, we're obviously going to be talking with Mike here today in the shop, uh, but we've been ripping through these interviews this summer and trying to get the weekly show going. It's been really fun. Um, we had a bunch of reschedules over the last couple of weeks. So it's been, it's been a little chaotic trying to get people uh, in the door and scheduled, but um, we've got a ton of stuff lined up. We're really excited about that. So make sure if you're you're thinking, oh, they should interview this person, um, give us a give us a contact or or say, hey, this company would be cool to have on the show, and and we'll reach out to them and see if they want to jump on the show as well. Um, and the other thing too, I want to mention just uh, as a thanks, kind of we passed eleven thousand downloads on the the podcast on the Podbean page. So if you go to Porter Pickups and then it's um, you can find the podcast page under the community tab. You'll see the embeddable player if you want to share episodes with friends or anything like that. Obviously, we're on iTunes and all the other major podcast type uh, platforms, and with those, we can't see how many people actually listen. But we know you're out there, and we know you're listening. We appreciate that so much. So after that long intro, Mike, Mike's just over here it's drinking, a good intro. drinking coffee, yeah, ready to go. Looking at my so, coffee cup here, yes. just. 
enjoying the morning. Yeah, you have the vintage logo uh, coffee cup, right? Yeah, it was around the shop. That I was so 2013 or whatever. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. got washed and now it's being used again, Excellent. which is good. Excellent. Yeah, lots of coffee is consumed here. It is. Definitely. We uh, got to keep that coffee rolling. And um, this week's supposed to be really hot, so we're in here early a bunch this week, I yeah. think, just trying to trying to get the work done before it heats up. But uh, but yeah, so so Mike has been on our team for a couple of years, and um, he does a wide variety. I'll let him talk a little bit about what he does coming up here, but a wide variety of stuff for Porter, and and um, we're going to cover a bunch of topics today with Mike. Uh, Mike worked in the the guitar center repair department for uh, ten plus years before joining us, and and even kind of as he was transitioning out of Guitar Center, he was also helping us with, with our guitars for a while, kind of as you had that like dual right. role for a while. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's start um, there. Actually, let's go back. Let's start with, um, I want to I go straight to the guitar gear thing, if that's cool. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with the gear that you have. What gear are you playing right now? Maybe not like down to the last cable, but yeah. you know, what are some of the things that you're playing right now? Well, you know... I, I do perform a lot and stuff, so I get a chance, well, except until now, yeah. I would say, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I've had the opportunity to perform live a lot, and my live rig really, um, it might have shuffled around just a few times um, in, let's say, maybe the last decade or so, but basically, I'm usually running some sort of a hollow body guitar, um, my the two that I have right now, I have an D'Angelico that I'm running kind of as my number one, um, and then a really sweet old um, Chinese made actually Fender Starcaster. I kind of had a love for those when I was a kid growing up in the 80s and early 90s. I would see the Starcasters like hanging up in pawn shops and stuff like that, and I just really loved the way that guitar looked. So a handful of years back, um, Fender decided to release a, you know, overseas made version of it. And I mainly just kind of bought it um, because I loved it so much as a child, you know. But, um, you know, with some pretty basic, you know, modding, not a whole lot of souping up necessarily or anything, um, it really... Uh, was probably the primary guitar that I played live for the last five years, I would probably say. And then uh, recently, uh, last year, the D'Angelico that I purchased, uh, just because I love those classic hollow body looks as well. Um, it's been the one that I've been toting around uh, the most, but uh, I've used my P90 loaded Gibson SG for years, um, broken the headstock on that, of course, a couple of times. Um, and uh, those have been kind of my three main real uh, gigging guitars, obviously. And, and I've always done, you know, modifications to my guitars that a lot of guys uh, would do. So I, I always kind of was more of a budget kind of purchaser um, when it came to guitars because I knew my way around them really well and I knew I could make a lot of them do what I want them to do anyway. Um, as far as amps go, um, I for a lot of years, probably about six years, um, I played a Fender uh, Hot Rod DeVille 
Um, it was a 410, you know, kind of classic Fender-y um, type of thing that I was into a little bit earlier. Um, that went really good, I thought, with my P90SG at the time. Um, and uh, through the years, I, I basically have most heavily probably have relied on my Vox AC30. Um, and then um, recently, just kind of pulled it out of uh, the rehearsal studio and, and kind of claimed it for my own. But um, I've been toting around an old Marshall J. I think it's a JTM 60, which is kind of a weird amp to see people playing with. Cause I think if I'm right, um, a lot of them had some issues, uh, with getting really hot and, and everything, but I've never had any problems with it and I've kind of liked it. It reminds me more of an, an American take on a, a Marshall, I guess I would say. But, uh, as far as that, that's been kind of the heavy duty hardware, um, and then, of course, my, my effects chain has changed over the years and things, all of your classic effects have been on it before. Um, it's been pretty simple lately uh, as far as some effects that I'm running. Um, I would probably say, maybe not in this order, but um, of course I'm running a Peterson strobe tuner um, on my stage rig. Um, I've got a, let's see, kind of your classic uh, whammy pedal on there, a couple of overdrives. I've got a Tumnus Deluxe, I want to say that is what it is. Um, and then an OCD as my main kind of gain pedals. Uh, and then they run into a couple of modulation options, usually depending on what I might want. Um, those kind of come on and off my board. Um, just whenever I feel like changing some of that stuff up. But um, then it runs into a flashback, TC Helicon flashback times four, whatever they call that thing. So you're <laughs> kind of standard multi-delay optional pedal. Um, and then my secondary delay is uh, the even type time factor, which I've used for probably about a decade now, I think. So nice. it's been an awesome pedal too. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds pretty awesome. I think it's fun to like hear what different people's rigs are, and um, you know, from the guitar all the way through the amp, it's like, oh, why why'd you do that? Or that's cool how you put this in there, and and it's like that's the guitar nerd in all of us trying to figure out like, oh, maybe I should try that, or maybe you know, maybe I want one of those or whatever. Yeah. Um. So so why hollow bodies? Why have you kind of gravitated? I mean, you mentioned that you like the Starcaster growing up, but why why was it that you didn't see the Strat and love it more than the, like, I mean, it seems like Starcaster is kind of a random instrument to fall for. Right, right. And, you know, solid body guitars, I I love them as well. Um, And I like all of, all of the, the guitars that are out there, you know, they're all, um, I don't know, what would I say? To me, there's a spot for every guitar in someone's arsenal, that's for sure. Um... I think maybe with the hollow body thing is, uh, you know, especially musically earlier in my life, um, going through, you know, education and everything else, I always loved the sound of jazz guitar and, you know, that full robust type of tone um, that really kind of blooms and everything. And, 
And all of the guys, when I really started listening to jazz guitar, everybody that I was into was playing some sort of a hollow body guitar, you know? And I think it's just something, a preference that I probably just hung up onto more than anything else, okay. you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, it, it's it's cool to, because I, I kind of, with hollow bodies, I'm always like, I have one and then I get rid of it. And then I kind of like, it's like I flirt with hollow bodies every once in a while. Where I'm like, oh, I really like to get like a 335 or, but then you kind of go down the rabbit hole and, you know, I'm the same as you. It's like, I'm not scared of buying a cheap one and fixing right. it. Obviously we make pickups and we can make, you know, something sound really awesome. But I'm always like, I always look at it and I start with something maybe in the high, you know, seven, $800 range. And I'm like, oh, I can make this thing sound good. And then I, you know, you start looking at something that's 1500 and then you're, you know, your buddy got like, my, my buddy's just got an Eastman, oh, yeah. you know, guitar. And I know of the quality of Eastman guitars and, and I was like, oh, what about those? And then it's like, you know, starts, you know, creeping into the, the $2,000 range. You're like, why don't I just get a real 335? And then, right. you know, then by the time you go through all this in your head, you've talked yourself out of it at the end of the journey. Yeah, that definitely happens. <laughs> That's um, kind of the way that I've, I've approached it, I guess. I guess sometimes I, I have to try to just let my guitar purchasing fall into, you know, fate's realm pretty much. I, if I start looking into buying anything, yeah, I'll usually talk myself out, out of it. But if I see something on a rack that just kind of jumps out at me and it's fate, then maybe I might purchase it. But I do love solid body guitars. I guess, you know, when it really comes down to it, I never had, as a young kid, you know, one of the big brand names other than Squire maybe or something which is a big brand name you know yeah. but um I had kind of obscure guitars like my grandpa gave me like his Tyscos and um I think the first when I decided to get something let's say with like a single coil Strat type of option um it was this random rare-ish obscure guitar that Guitar Center had in their uh used section for years and years and years and it was this andreas guitar um and it had a really weird unique shape to it which is kind of what made me really you know reach out for it um and so i never really had the classic you know like tele body shape guitar or strap body shape it was always just kind of the more obscure types of things um that i was always drawn to it's that's kind of why I also like playing hollow body guitars because um, it seems like you're always going to see a Strat or a Tele or a Les Paul or a PRS even or something like that on stage. And with the guys that I play with, they're usually playing, you know, solid body guitars and, and the hollow body spot is where I like to be. So Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. Well, let's transition a little bit over to... Um kind of what you do. I mean, you've been on the show. We were, this is like before pre-pandemic, we had that yeah. show where we talked about our experience uh, at the NAM show this year and right. kind of before everything blew up. But uh, as we probably will end up having you on the show a little bit more, but let's let's talk about, let's jump into just maybe what a daily, or a daily, I was going to say a daily week. <laughs> a this daily is week. this is like because I haven't had enough coffee this morning. So maybe maybe what a average week at Porter looks like for you. Um, obviously, we have some different stuff that happens, but right. But kind of talk through 
quickly maybe what, what a week looks like for you here and what you do? Well, um, I do play kind of a lot of roles um, here at the shop, and we're, we're kind of a small crew. I guess we're a very small crew, so in order to keep things going, you got to be able to kind of bounce around and do different things. But um, generally, a week here at the shop consists of uh, coming in in the morning and firing up the coffee pots, of course. <laughs> um, Priority number one. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, generally, I would say, you know, uh, probably about 80% of what's going on right now for us is on the pickup side of the business. So um, most of my week probably consists of, you know, production in the pickup stuff, uh, building bobbins, um, assembling the pickups, doing all that stuff, um, which is really fun. Um, we do, I do spend a little bit of time lately, uh, you know, in the wood side of the business. We're, we're building some guitars again. We're seeing that kind of pick up, which has been awesome because I've definitely been missing it a little bit more um, through this whole ordeal. Um, so a lot of the time obviously is, is spent, uh, yeah, in the production side of the guitar business over here. Um, and then... I spend a little bit of the time in the week, you know, doing some repairs, which is kind of fun, something I really don't, um, you know, do as my full-time profession anymore. It, it, it's kind of been a nice little circle because I really got into, you know, guitar repair and modding um, out of passion more than anything else. It was something I really loved to do on my own. Um, I had the opportunity to, you know, make that my career for quite some time. And of course, when you make something your career, sometimes, although the passion never stops, um, you get a little bit burnt out just on, on the repair side of the business. Um, but I love to do it. So we do take in um, some repairs based upon what we can you know, do uh, schedule-wise and everything else. And uh, that's something that I really love to do because that allows me to have, you know, that personal connection with other guitar players that you normally don't get just when you're playing music with them, let's say, or, or talking about music or, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty good thing and an awesome privilege to have another guitar player come bring you their guitar, which... You know, a lot of the times they don't even want their wife or children to touch or something. <laughs> and and uh, it's a good way to build a really good relationship with other guitar players to be able to do that for them. So um, we love doing repair projects, like I said, when we can, um, even if it's just, you know, things like some restrings or general maintenance, uh, all the way up to modifications and, you know, full-blown ordeals. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, um, basically I'm kind of a jack of all trades here at the shop. Um, it's been amazing over the last, I would say year to actually be involved more with the pickup side of the business. Um, you know, every, especially electric guitar player generally realizes at some point that pickups are kind of the the whole 
thing that makes the electric guitar work, obviously, and, and there's so many options, and it's opened my eyes a little bit and just given me much broader knowledge and appreciation of, of what goes into electric guitar to actually be involved in the pickup building side of it. Um, not only is it awesome to you know, make really high quality pickups, um, something you can be proud of, but to learn the whole ins and outs, the science of pickup building and everything else, it's, it's really been kind of awesome. It, it, it definitely pleases the nerdier side of, of me <laughs> as a guitar player. Sure. Um, but of course, uh, there's nothing like building guitars. That's, that's kind of, I think, probably where Brian kind of started with passion. Um, and I definitely, I mean, we're very proud of the guitars that we're building and, and it's, it's been an amazing process too. But yeah, other than that, I, uh, you know, just try to fill in any void in the shop that I, I can be, you know, put to use in. So, yeah. And the, and the weeks, I mean, it's very hard to like nail down a typical week. I mean, we have a we have a schedule, and these days we do certain certain tasks, which helps us keep the momentum going and keep organized. But uh, there's weeks where it's it's a bunch of random pickup orders or a bunch of special spec pickup orders, yeah. and and we have to figure out how to put that into regular production. and And we've been doing a lot of fun custom shop stuff and yeah, grave pickups and all that sort of stuff. We've been trying to do that um you know shameless plug if if you're looking for something that's done we actually have an in-stock pickup list and and we've since kind of this even before the whole pandemic thing we've been focusing on dropping uh more of those every week getting right. more stock pickups done because a lot of people once they decide they want something they, they they want it now and and oftentimes in our regular production we can't exactly fit that in sometimes but this allows people to to go grab something from that list. Um, you mentioned the repairs thing, and we mentioned in the beginning that uh, you worked for Guitar Center yeah. for 10-plus uh, years. And um, I want to touch on a little bit of that that time there at Guitar Center and um, just kind of uh, maybe like start with, let's, let's go with like maybe one of the most crazy uh, repair jobs that you ever did. Well, that's a hard one. Um, I would have to try to sift through the memories of, you know, a decade, but, um, I would, I would probably have to say that a, a couple of, maybe not the craziest repair jobs, but just kind of unique, um, jobs. Um, one that really sticks out in my mind, I'd probably been doing, um, repairs, for Guitar Center for probably about a year at this point. And I actually joined Guitar Center up and, and was working retail in their guitar department before I did that. So there were a lot of crazy guitars that people brought into the shop before we were doing repairs. Um, uh, there's so many ways that you can do horrible things to guitars. So at Guitar Center, you're gonna see it because everyone knows where Guitar Center is and everyone brings their instruments in. But one day, um, a lady brought in a few guitars. There was a couple of, there was a, some old 80s um, Jackson that some guy had cherished for his whole life. And 
um, a Charvel or something like that, and then an acoustic guitar of, of some type. And the guy had recently had um, his house burned down. I think it was a little trailer. Um, his family didn't have a whole lot of money, uh, but he was an excellent guitar player. And uh, I could probably remember a few times hearing him play guitar when he had come into the shop. Um, and he was just this really great, nice guy. But uh, unfortunately, uh, they had a fire at their home and um, a lady who was a, a friend of the family brought the guitars in uh, to the shop because uh, they had suffered some some damage and really, really bad uh, smoke damage and everything. And I can remember opening up the uh, case of at least the Jackson and seeing, you know, the most horrible caked on soot and stuff. Um, and I decided to take the job of, of trying to recondition these three guitars for them. And um, for me, it was probably one of the most labor-intensive and difficult jobs to, uh, to do. I basically broke down, you know, every guitar and scrubbed it all up and with a toothbrush, and it, it took forever to get um, those things playing again. Uh, unfortunately, the acoustic guitar had suffered some cracking and, and warping and everything, and, and if I remember right, we got uh, that guitar playing really great, too. Um, but... Uh, as far as crazy, you know, repairs, um, over time, you learn to kind of know when to hold them or know when to fold them when people are bringing in really bad repairs. Um, so, you know, lots of structural acoustic damage around here. Um, I've, you know, repaired tops and backs and sides of instruments and, and, uh, done just about anything you can do in a high desert climate to an acoustic guitar. Um, and I, then I've done the occasional, you know, things like the touring band comes back uh, from tour or, or stops through town. And for some reason, you know, the drummer backed over the bassist's bass <laughs> case um, when they were loading their van or something like that. So um, I can remember a a pretty challenging headstock repair where the headstock basically was blown into about eight or nine parts, you know, and that was a, a, a crazy one. We, we got that one done or I got that one done while the band had a, a few days stay here in town um, before they had to be next place. Um, and a lot of the repairs were stuff like that, you know, headstock repairs, structural acoustic repairs, um, Obviously, lots of setup work, uh, lots of modifications, stuff like that. But I would really have to think hard of, of what my craziest repair <laughs> endeavor actually really ever was. It um, sounds like there, there was multiple ones for sure. Yeah, there so, were. So when you, when you had to like take stuff in, um, obviously they probably wanted you to take everything in because that was a big revenue thing for, for the... Guitar Center, like how did that work um, company policy-wise to, uh, you know, were you allowed to say no? Were you, did you have to kind of say yes as long as possible or how did that really work? Well, of course, in any situation um, that 
I mean, it. they, of course, would prefer, as any repair facility would, to, to have as much work in the shop as possible. Um, that's kind of the name of the game. Um, as far as saying no, it basically became up to me, kind of. Um, I, I really think that I... Now I'm thinking about this, so <laughs> stumbling upon myself. I need more coffee anyway, too. But, um, you know, there's a right time to say no when you're weighing, you know, the cost of labor, the uh, amount of effort you're going to put in, and whether or not it's begin going to be justified for the customer. Mm -hmm. Me as a guitar player um, and as a repair person, I, I would rather say, hey, you know, unless this is a very important guitar to you, in some situations, you might just want to buy another guitar, you know? <laughs> Which always was a good thing for Guitar Center if I, if I uh, sent a customer over, you know, to look at new guitars because they might need one or something. So saying no, it, it's sometimes a hard thing for me to do anyway. Um, but, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that you know, they had a policy that was, you know, no, no guitar goes back out the door without getting work on it or anything like that. But there were definitely a, a lot of big repair uh, issues that, especially with the schedule of the amount of work that was in the shop um, and everything else. Yeah, I unfortunately had to tell some people no. It's a bad thing. But sometimes you want to do that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Guitar projects can a lot of times get overwhelming when it comes to you know, the amount of labor that can go in, into it anyway. So sometimes it's good to let the customer know that they probably shouldn't have it repaired. Yeah, that's that sounds kind of similar to the way that we um, we all but killed our pickup repair department here. I mean, I call it department, but it's not really a department. Um, One of us fixing <laughs> yes, pickups. Yeah. That's, that's, it sounds official. But uh, we, we kind of killed that because we would, we would get those repairs and I would end up calling them nightmares instead of repairs because sometimes it was like they, you know, understandably a customer wanted a quote for a job, but we didn't know what the job entailed until we opened up the pickup. And one time we got like a, an old 50s, I think it was a 50s uh, DeArmond sliding pickup. Do you remember those? They kind of oh, yeah. had like a, a little rail and you could move the pickup around to to change the pickup position. Um, guys like, hey, can you fix this for me? And, you know, this was early on is like, you know, don't say no to business. Yeah. I mean, you would not want to say no to someone wanting to pay you for work. Right. And And we get this thing and it doesn't work, of course. And it's got a little metal case in it. It's got some rivets on the bottom. So it did like tear out the rivets, open this thing up, and the bobbin is literally like 16th-inch cardboard <laughs> on the inside. Like, it it, it literally was cardboard. It, it looked like that material that goes on the back of, like, a notepad. It's kind of that, like, right. press board material, whatever. So, yeah, long story short, it was a, quite a nightmare of a repair, um, quoting him 65 bucks to do the job and me taking three or four days total to get this thing to even work again. And, and at that point I was like, man, I cannot do this anymore. And, and we would get a lot of PAFs. And, and at one point we got unsolicited repairs. We would get boxes of pickups. Hey, you need to fix this for me. And I'm like, wait a minute, you never even asked us about it. And, right. and so we really learned to, 
to sort of walk away from some of that so I can relate to kind of how how you see the repairs and even we've had some stuff recently where we were asked to do a project and we just kind of said yeah I don't I don't know um, have minimal time giving our given our other workload but then you look at it and you're like man this could go this also could go bad there's a there's a, a segment of risk involved in when you're Absolutely. hacking away at a guitar and and you, you have to I don't know I guess it's maybe like that that hair stands up on your neck and you're like, yeah, I'm not feeling this, you know, and you start kind of the to, gut feeling, I guess. Yeah. I think with experience, you start to sense you, you get that, you know, that second sense or something like that about it. And you're like, okay. Or maybe you've just learned from taking in stuff that that's exactly how I did it when I was young. Um, it was hard to say no. And a lot of jobs, um, were taken in and a lot of time was spent on jobs and, and maybe I didn't make a lot of money. And I guess from a learning standpoint, that's, that's great experience, but you start to gain, um, experience and, and you start to learn when you can, like I said, you know, kind of pick the right time to say no, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's a skill in its own, I think. So, yeah, I would agree there. Well, well, it's great to have you on the show today, Mike. And uh, as we're here on a Tuesday, which is one of our bigger building days, we're going to go ahead and get back building pickups for you all that have ordered. We appreciate you Absolutely. guys uh, who have uh, given us the business this summer. And uh, man, it's been a crazy pandemic. We're excited about what's coming up. We're excited about uh, some new things that we will continue to tease as we work through this the rest of the summer. Uh, new products and um, new designs, things like that. We're we're all over the place, and we are. but we have a really cool uh, batch of things that we're coming. That's a little di- little different than anything that we've done before. So we're excited to to um, release that and tease that uh, coming up. And and again, we'll keep going with the weekly interviews. Um, but Mike, thanks so much for coming on it's the show. It's a pleasure. It's good to uh, spend the morning talking to people out there. Yeah, and I've been I've been like looking at your coffee because I had some coffee super early yeah. this morning, <laughs> and now I need to go get some. I'm like, I gotta get some coffee. Yeah, obviously we we need coffee for those when we listen back to this this show. We're like, man, we should have had a couple more cups of coffee before we went through this thing. But yeah, thanks, yep. Mike, for being on the show today. It's and a pleasure. Uh, we will catch you guys on the next Tonecast.